And I just like having to leave the boat with them. I was just like, oh my God, like this is our home, had our dog, all of our stuff. You guys have no idea what you're doing. And I'm ready to go to the hospital having to make big decisions for Connor who's still screaming in pain. Yeah, I mean, I almost died twice. And looking back, like if I would have died, I would have been freaking happy that I did that little sailing trip before I did. I mean, yeah. otherwise, what's six more months sitting at a desk? You know, that wouldn't have been, right. <laughs> that would have been worth it. So, Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome back to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Kenny's looking at me weird, but do you know where we are? We're in Montana, and do you know what it's doing right now in Montana? It's snowing, and do you know what we found in the snow in Montana? Bigfoot. Bigfoot. It's real. Bigfoot is real. Bigfoot does exist. Bigfoot is in my hand. It's kind of ironic, though, that we found Bigfoot in Montana when it's from Sierra Nevada. Bigfoot's about to be in my mouth. Put your foot in the mouth. What's the saying? Put your big foot in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It works right now. I think you all figured out it's a beer. Actually, it's not a beer. Well, it is a beer, but it's a barley wine. It's still a beer. Yeah. But I meant that. I was just saying it's not. It's not a beer. It's not just a beer. Is what I meant. That's true. Barley wine. That is true. A barley wine is not just a beer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's a just, big bad bid for it. It's a. It's a big bad bid. I can't say it. It's a big bad bid. It's a big bad. Man, how do you say that? It's a big bad Bigfoot. Badass. You know what else is badass? You. Me, of course. But also Danielle and Connor from Sailing Pivo. I would agree with that. That's and you guys are probably all like, "Who's Sailing Pivo?" Or if you listen to our mm-hmm. podcast, you know who Sailing Pivo is. Or possibly you could already be a fan of theirs as well because they have a pretty substantial YouTube following. So true, that's true. So Sailing Pivo, but we'll talk about that. But yeah, we have Danielle and Connor on from Sailing Pivo, um, and they are were. I'll let you listen to the story. Full time sailors. Yeah, they're friends of ours that. You know, if you remember, if you heard the first podcast episode we did with them, which was more than a year ago. It was right before Christmas around 2020. We talked to them um, about their ambitious goals of moving on to a sailboat. We actually talked to them right before they had quit their jobs, right before they moved on to their sailboat full time. So we were excited to um, find out all about how they were doing all this, what their plans were. How they learned to sail, where the desire and, and passions came from. And then, so we well, did talk to them about that. And then initially, though, from that podcast, we had plans to again talk to them like a year into it. Yeah, which, to see how it was going. Yeah, and, which that is this podcast. It's a little later than a year, but still. And it ended up being a lot different than we had anticipated it would be talking to them about. I'm going to say, I was just going to say that we were anticipating something like very differently, but can you imagine what Danielle and Connor were anticipating? Because yeah. it impacted their life. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Beyond measure. And I mean, you can, you obviously know from the title, the title and the, in the description. And if you read any of that, you know that their sailing journey took a drastic, different, drastically different turn than anybody could have expected. I mean, this is, Literally, probably a once in a li- once in a lifetime happens to anyone. I mean, it's not a secret because Connor so. had a brain tumor, so they had to yeah. figure that out. But this the story though is personal, and they were really open with us about their struggles because who would yeah. not struggle with this? So you know, like any kind of um, non traditional or what's I don't know the, another type of word or un, you know in quotes kind of not normal lifestyle. For example, living in an RV like we do or. And then take it to another level or, on a boat. Well, I mean, or like <laughs> traveling all around the world, yeah. living like, while traveling out of a backpack kind of thing, or living on a sailboat. Those types of, you know, that type of life is never really easy in the first place. And True. you're always going to have difficulties thrown at you. And they talk about some of their difficulties living on a sailboat before all this even happened. But then you have 
life that throws shit at you that there's no control over it and you just have to deal with it. And so they were really open and honest with us and talking about that and how they handled it and how their dreams changed and how their, how that had an impact on them. So it was really um, an enlightening conversation too. And not that they wanted it to be inspirational per se, because, you know, it did kind of screw up what their plans were in life, but it was, it was more of an inspiration to, I think for us to just know that something can happen and what are you going to do? Sit in the corner and pout, which is fine for a while. You can, but then you're just going to have to get your asses up and face it. Right. And and they are facing it. The interesting thing to me, and you're going to find out a lot more just when you listen to them talk and, and with our conversation with them. But the interesting thing to me is you can hear the emotion and you can feel it in this when they talk. Sometimes it gets pretty emotional and um, pretty intense because it's it is a massively big change in their lives but they are facing it head on and but they're still in the middle of it and talking about it openly and honestly and facing it you know i mean and that's that's hard enough to do i think when it's just you and your significant other alone or with your family and friends or whatever but on our podcast and on their youtube channel they're putting it out there for the world to see what they faced how they faced it and how they're dealing with it. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. Not many people I think can maybe have the fortitude to handle that. That's a really tough, tough thing to do to have I it scrutinized in, in public, in the public eye. I don't like that statement. I don't okay. think that when you say not many people can handle it, I think when you get something thrown at you that is completely out of the blue and unexpected and there's nothing you can do about it, you handle it because what else can you do? Well, and maybe that wasn't the right way to put it. Maybe it's more, not many people would do that. Would do what? But put it, handle it in public, like, the, I guess, put it out there saying? like that. Okay. But I guess I not everybody's in that situation either. Not everybody has a YouTube channel. and not, But that was their business, and that was right. what they were doing. That was how they were starting to build their life on the sailboat, is to create this YouTube channel that documents everything that they do. And Danielle just found herself constantly picking up the camera throughout the entire journey that they went yeah. on and she talks more about that in there in the podcast as well so i won't say anything more about that but it was just really interesting that she still continued to do that um and so it documented that and it's turning out that it could help other people get through other things when you finish this podcast do go check out sailing pivo on youtube because their whole story along the way is is laid out on their YouTube channel and, and it's continuing. It's not it's not done and they're not done with their YouTube channel or anything like that. They're they're still telling their story and even beyond our podcast that'll keep going. So And life happens, like we were talking about that, but also life goes on. And so these guys also have a good sense of humor and love craft beer like we do so oh, yeah. being the content creators the videos creators that they are uh dude you need to check out their little craft beer review <laughs> i put the link in the show notes i cannot remember what it was but she, she's done some brilliant little videos for their beer reviews giving <laughs> each beer like a personality um yeah. it's adorable and hilarious so uh, i think it's pretty easy you can see why we love these guys and maybe we should let them chat more and tell their story yeah i think we probably should okay. so <laughs> without any further ado here's connor and danielle from sailing pivo all right well we're back here with um danielle and connor from sailing pivo uh so much has happened like it was <laughs> almost a year not quite yeah. a year and a half ago when we first talked to Close. you and you're getting ready to sail full time oh my god it was it's november crazy how much has happened. november 2020 yeah. yeah, different world back then. Yeah. We just had a month left in our jobs and we were just very yeah. tight off. Oh my God, this is weird. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's been a lot of things happening. And like, I think, first of all, maybe just give us a quick quick synopsis of what it was like moving into moving yeah, how about that? Like, boat and getting started on living full time on a boat. Start off, Rocky. Um, we. <laughs> We, yeah, we had engine issues. And so we pulled into a local marina hoping to get everything fixed, you know, over the course of a couple of days. We thought it would take maybe like a week and we just ended up, I mean, this is a lot of people who own boats will 
uh, identify with this, but you find one issue, then you find another issue, then you find another issue, then you find another issue. And we ended up getting stuck in the marina for two months. And it's funny because we look back now and it, we were quite frustrated, but now like, you know, in hindsight, always in hindsight, it was kind of a fun experience even then. Like we were learning so much about our boat and it was such a relaxed environment because we weren't, you know, worried about storms or cyclones or tsunamis or whatever it was the issue was. We were just sitting in a marina and it, there were a lot of issues and we were really frustrated, but it was kind of a safe environment to be learning all of that. Um, but we were spending way too much money and we were, you know, worried about missing all the summer because it was summer here. And yeah, it was just kind of a crazy start. But then we finally got out and that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't just start there. I mean, when we talked to you guys, we were sailing every weekend. Um, right. right. And then we did a big trip out uh, to one of the islands off the coast, um, which was our biggest sail. And that was, was quite nice. And then we, you know, had the engine issues. But yeah, two months in the marina. In hindsight, it was probably good. It forced us to learn more about our boat before we just yeah. headed out and really that saved our butts a couple of times when like the <laughs> engine um yeah got clogged up with shells we knew what to do and like yeah, and things true. like that so yeah. it ended up working okay and then we had a good six months of sailing um yeah we did some cool things we went to see some islands that you can only get to by boat um we had some crazy things happen we anchored in some really high winds that like just crazy winds like they're just crazy we went around the tip of Coromandel, which was kind of a crazy experience because you have um, clashing tides that hit each other, which make these really steep high waves that like break over your boat. And we were able to do it, you know, like we we survived it and got around and we had no issues. And we had our engine like stall and we couldn't restart it as we were like anchored near these rocks. And then our anchor started dragging and it was like this massive four meter waves out in the ocean. We ended up having to call a Coast Guard and um, they came over and they're like, yeah, it's probably more dangerous for you to leave than it is to stay here. So we had to put down like an emergency anchor to like keep our boat in the same place while the waves were crashing around us. So we had some crazy times, but man. Do you have like an official like move-in date that you consider your first, like your full-time date? Christmas day, 2020. Yeah, that was our first day. Last day of work was on the 24th and we moved on that night basically the night of the 24th and we woke up at like four in the morning Christmas morning and went out for a long sail 14 hours yeah it was Great Bear Island yeah we, oh, it yeah, was yeah. um it was with a couple of friends we were mm -hmm. there for I think three or four days and that was the one that took 14 hours there and then 11 hours back um and it was it was a blast we had so much fun were there any surprises with that or issues or would that was like kind of a smooth sail and entrance into full-time sail life? <laughs> no, <laughs> They're no, like shaking. Never. <laughs> no, it's not smooth. <laughs> we backed up on a rope and Connor had to dive under the boat to unwind it from our prop. Yeah, the propeller got wrapped around a rope and yeah, it was, it was bad. We were slowly drifting towards rocks and I had to dive under there and cut off the the rope so we can get out of the way of the rocks and yeah no it never is smooth but yeah other than that it was pretty good <laughs> well then we tried to anchor remember at stony bay like we we when a, when you're in a sailboat it's you have to have more chain out than uh, like a regular boat that has like a motorboat because they're heavier and we were in this anchorage over christmas that were like it was packed with other boats and like our circumference that we can swing if the wind were to change was like massive in this tiny little anchorage and like the boats that aren't sailboats don't understand that so like we got really close to some boats and like we actually hit we didn't hit it remember Takuma our dinghy hit their boat because they were so close that you could like step onto their boat that's how close they were and we we're like please move <laughs> so yeah so full-time sailing what's your Best piece of advice you'd give to someone who wants to do this? Read. Read a lot before you go. Like, yeah. And we were put in situations that were quite stressful, but we actually knew what we were supposed to do. We might not have known how to do it, but we knew what we what needed to be done. Yeah. And that saved our bacon a few times. It's kind of funny because like we were, I think we did a really good job preparing. And it sucks because we were put in so many stressful situations so fast that in some ways it took away the fun. But because of all the prep we did, we we knew what we were doing most of the time. Like, I wouldn't say we were ever really in a situation that we didn't know what to do um, because we watched a ton of YouTube videos. We read a ton. So the training that you guys did beforehand, the classes and things that you took, you would say that helped? Yeah, there were quite a few times where, I mean, we still had to figure things out 
on the fly, but at least we kind of had a framework to, to work with. What was one of the like really just, I don't know, coolest thing you experienced or just something that just really stood out to you? Oh, Danielle is in love with dolphins. Dolphins. So definitely dolphins. Dolphins are amazing. They never get old. Yeah. They oh, just yeah. sit there and play. Like when we were going around the tip of Coromandel, remember that? Dolphins appeared and they stayed with us for like 20 minutes. And they, they kind of play with you. Like they like the attention. And then as you're kind of like up there and you're putting your camera down, they'll like tap their nose in the camera or something like that. And like, it's just the cutest thing. They're so amazing. And they just very playful, very interactive. Yeah. That, and waking up with a baby seal on our boat. That was, was cool. <laughs> that was really cool. They can jump like eight feet out of the water. Yeah. Oh it's actually gosh, kind of man. funny because he jumped on the front of the boat, which is like the highest part of the boat. Like he had to have jumped like six feet to get on the boat. And then we called the Department of Conservation to be like, hey, what should we do? And they're like, there's orca in the area. So the seal's on your boat to escape the orca. So we let the orca, we let the seal stay for like two or three hours. Yeah. And then eventually we pushed it off because we needed to get out of our... Oh, they, they said the orca had left the area, so we pushed it off. Yeah. Huh. yeah we didn't push it to its death. Yeah. <laughs> so you were the safe haven for the seal. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not something that's going to happen in everyday life, especially RV life. No. <laughs> no, never had a seal jump up. Although we did have some friends in a van have a bear stand up on their front windshield of their van. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. in the middle. It was in the middle of the night, and they got they like looked up and they could see the bear like through the window. Yeah, and then they they didn't do anything. They just like okay, there's a bear in our van. I, yeah, I think, I think August tried to like scare it off by shining a light at it from inside the van, you know, or something as a flashlight. <laughs> That's awesome. It's crazy. And in the morning, you can see that bear claws like on the windshield because it was a little frosted over. So that was kind of crazy. Oh, this, this was at an event we, we held last year in Uray, Colorado. So this was at a campground where we had like, we had about 35 people all together for this event that we put on. Wow. And so everybody's like, oh my God, looking at the bear prints on the window. That's awesome. I hope they were excited. Yeah, yeah most people were. were. Most people weren't too freaked out. Great. <laughs> all right. You ready to get into it? As a matter of introduction is like right now, you're not living on the sailboat any longer. No. So there's a whole long story to that along the way. And I was going to ask the question of most challenging moment of your time <laughs> on the sailboat, because that and would those... be a, that would be a typical question for someone who's living mm -hmm. on a sailboat, but you're going to have, I would imagine a very um, unique answer. Yeah. I think yeah. So. Hot water beach. We yeah. just brought on two crew and they didn't really know what they were doing. One of them was a sailor, but he'd never been on yachts before. And the other one had never been exposed to sailing at all and we just had them join us three days prior and we were anchored at a surf beach um so you wouldn't typically anchor there; it's not a safe spot to anchor but that one specific night it was like really low wave so it was safe just that one night and the reason we anchored there is because you can go to the beach on your um dinghy which is like a little, your car for a boat and you can dig a hole in the sand and there's like hot springs that come up. And then if it's low tide, you can sit in the hot water, like a, you know, a spa. So we were like, you know, really excited. We had this one chance and we went and got in the water and I guess it made Connor really sick. And when we got back to the boat, he went to bed early because he was feeling like, you know, not very well. And then probably like an hour later, he started screaming out in pain and it, wouldn't go away it was i think probably the, the most pain i've ever seen connor in ever well the second most pain so we called the ambulance or the helicopter and we were in the middle of nowhere so they sent over one of the emergency helicopters to fly us to the hospital which was like three hours away i think and they took us to the hospital and i had to like connor wasn't he was just completely he couldn't make decisions at all like it was just me and i had to like decide whether or not I was going to leave the crew with the boat because I knew that there was a chance that I wouldn't be back. So I'm sitting there like showing them how to use everything. Like this is how you pick up the anchor. If there's an emergency, like this is how you turn on the engine. I was like, I've got my phone on high, like in case there's any emergencies. And I had to like show them how to do everything. And I was just like, if you start dragging and I had an anchor alarm as well. I was like, if you start dragging, like 
you can pick up the anchor and just go out to sea and you'll be fine. Just like, just go out. There's no, nothing around here. And I just like having to leave the boat with them. I was just like, oh my God, like this is our home, had our dog, all of our stuff. You guys have no idea what you're doing. And I'm ready to go to the hospital having to make big decisions for Connor who's still screaming in pain. And then the worst part is we got to the hospital and there was a hack on the system for the whole region and all of their diagnostic systems were down. So we didn't have any diagnostics done. All they did was like feed him a bunch of pain meds and then sent us home the next morning. And it was, wow. they had no way for us to get home. And Connor has like, what, a size 52 shoe, 15 shoe. And we, we didn't think to grab shoes because it was so fast. So they're like, you need to get home. And we're like, we've got no shoes. And they're like, go to the store and buy him some. I'm like, you can't buy a size 52 in the store here. Because Connor so, is six, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that was just, it was crazy. It was just such a crazy night. And yeah, it was just a lot of pressure. So can we back up a little bit too? I'm curious too, with the crew. So you had to, you hired some crew. So, no, we we just offered for them to come join us. We just wanted people. Yeah, just backpackers that want to join for. Also, oh, okay. Oh. So they just so that would answer my next question. Then is like, if you're gonna hire a crew, why are you hiring people who don't know what the hell they're doing? <laughs> yeah. They paid us. Yeah. Okay, so that makes really much more sense now. They just wanted to hang out and like learn from you guys. Yeah, yeah, which is funny that they learn from us, but whatever. <laughs> That was your, that your initial plan then was just to have, cause I know you, Danielle, you're like really an extrovert and like hanging out with people is like really great and fun. And yeah. so that was probably your initial plan was just to have more people and more times to hang out and just, you know, protect the fun and do yeah. all the things you wanted to do. And I think, I don't know, in the long run, having those two people on board, like really helped you. Yeah. And you know, they were absolutely wonderful the night this happened. And even like, because we, we ended up having to go into the marina and then of course well you'll see we had ended up having to abandon the boat and they you know they took care of everything they like organized everything with the office they closed it up they cleaned her out they really like we, we were gone and they took care of the whole boat and so having them was like like a miracle honestly just like the stars just aligned i don't know what we would have done without them because even with like pivo for example like if we had had gone to the hospital like we couldn't have left her alone on the boat you know, like that would just not have been possible and the helicopter wouldn't have taken her. So I don't know what we would have done without them. Yeah, that would have been really challenging. Yeah. It's just, it's strange how life works out sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, it was a, a terrible situation, but it's it's weird how things come into your life that help you deal with that situation better than you would have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think Connor and I are, either of us are really religious, but we're probably spiritual, I would say. But we don't tend to believe in like things aligned for a certain reason. But with this, I think in some ways it really are, we ha we got really lucky with our story. I mean, just with, well, yeah. I, <laughs> Connor's, Connor's shaking that. his head. Yeah, like, no, no, that's true, that's true. But um, it could have been so much worse in so many ways. And we just heard horror stories as we went through the system and navigate all of this. and they say that Connor had, well, I don't want to ruin it for everyone, but he had the, he had, he, his situation was better than most in the hospital. So, yeah. So on that note, like we know your story, but our listeners, unless they've been following you, they know your story as well, but I some of them probably that, do from yeah. the first time they that you guys. Some of our listeners don't know the full story and you've only, I mean, you were so gung-ho and excited to start sailing full time when, you know, November, 2020, when we talked to you, and we were excited for you and we couldn't wait to hear more. And then it turns out like what, four months in, like that was pretty much the end of your full-time sailing. So do you want to talk more about how that came to be? And it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty yeah. emotional story. And yeah, I mean, you want to tell the story. Danielle is probably better. Cause I, I, the pressure in my brain got so big like, towards the end that I actually don't have any memory of the all. last couple of weeks of the trip so. yeah so we got um, back to the boat the next morning we managed to um find a school bus actually that was willing to let us climb on board with the kids and they took us directly back to the boat and we got back to the boat and again things aligned like there was a just a massive storm coming through with 56 knots of wind which is like 60 miles per hour winds 
And we decided that that was just too much wind for us to be out on anchor. So we booked a marina spot, um, a berth at Fitianga Marina, which was about an hour away from where we were anchored. And so we pulled into the marina and then um, we went and had some drinks with some followers that we met and we went back to the boat and you were in pain, but it was manageable that night. And then we woke up the next morning and it was just, it was excruciating. Like you were just screaming. I've never seen, like it was just, I don't tell too many details, but it was just so much pain. Like it was just, I didn't know what to do. So I knew there was a clinic around the corner and I was trying to get Connor out of bed and he was just like, nah, he wasn't, he was just like, no, leave me, just let me go. You know, I was like, nah, we got to get you out, you know? So I finally forced him out of the bed and, you know, trying to get six point six eight man out of bed and up the, you know, companion way of a boat and then out of a marina where it's like tiny thin and we're, we get to the end of the marina pier and Connor just collapsed. He fell down the ground and um, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here. It was, it was a hell of an experience. And the marina staff like came over and we're like, you know, what's wrong, whatever. And so we're trying to walk him over to the clinic. We finally got him there. It was like 500 meters. It wasn't too far. And the guy, the doctor was, he took us seriously, which my God, I went back and thanked them for this because they took us seriously. And I was like, we just need to go to the hospital where there's diagnostics. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but we need to go somewhere where they have working systems. Because if we went back to the same hospital, they were just going to drug us up again. And he hands me a CT scan order and he's like, you don't leave that hospital until your husband has a CT scan. And if they tell you otherwise, like you need to force this, you need to force them to do it. And you fucking make a mess about this. You need to make sure that he gets that CT scan. So they ordered an ambulance for us to take us to another hospital that was three, three hours or four hours away. And we get there and they rushed him into the CT scan immediately. And um, within, I mean, it was so quick. Like I've never seen anything happen this quick. And the doctor comes back and he was like, is your husband like, like, how does he react to your news? And I was like, well, let's go into a private room. And he sat me down and was like, your husband has a brain tumor. And I was just like, I remember I, I didn't feel anything. I was just like such in shock. I was like, is this real? You know, like, is this, is this real? And he's like, but it's not a small one. It's a really, really big one, the size of a grapefruit. And I just kind of sat there and I, I remember I didn't even cry. I was just like, what? Like, is this real? Like, does this happen to like us, you know? And went back and told Connor and he couldn't remember. He couldn't remember that he had a tumor. I told him like eight times, eight different times. And I remember I called up his parents and I was like, I you know, told him the diagnosis. They were, they didn't quite get it until they saw the picture. The picture, if you go watch our channel and you see the picture and you see how big it is, that's really when it hits you. That's really when you're like, oh my God, that was massive. And I called them up, whatever. And I was like, don't tell Connor because he's gonna, we need to sit him down make sure it's like a controlled environment when he finally understands what's happening. <laughs> Your dad just blurted it out. He was like, you had a brain tumor. You're going into operation tomorrow. And Connor was like, what? He <laughs> <laughs> told him like eight times. And that was the first time it clicked. And I guess the reason why is because the steroids had finally kicked in and brought down the swelling. But yeah, I mean, anyway, just- and we were in shock for like days after that. When was that? What time period was that? June 9th. June, okay. Yeah. So he went into surgery on June 14th, five days later. Um, and the only reason why they waited is because the swelling of the brain was pushing into the tumor too much so that they were worried they wouldn't be able to scrape enough of it off. So they had to, um, yeah, wait until it, the swelling went down. So, Yeah. It's crazy. This, this is all in, this is June of 2021. So as everybody can imagine, I mean, shit was still hitting the fan worldwide otherwise too. So yeah, <laughs> nothing was, well, we were, you have a terribly hard situation in and of itself complicated by everything else. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. We were lucky with, uh, you know, COVID well in some ways we we're lucky, but COVID was quite controlled here. So at that point, the country was, free of COVID for I think two more months. It came into the country on August 18th. Um, so two months later. Um, so yeah, we were quite lucky that the hospitals weren't closed for that reason, but at this hospital, they were still having the hack. So all of their paperwork was all physical. Like they didn't have any working computers. So the CT scan worked, but they didn't have like a way to like, you know, send us the scans. They had to like print it off for us. And it was, it was still quite, um, yeah, you know, hectic. So 
How did you guys handle this though? Because your house is your boat. And so now you're dealing with like having to go into the hospitals and surgeries and all this, these unknowns, how, where did you stay? How did you handle that? Could you live on your boat still? Uh, well, so, um, we, we had to leave the boat and we left Pivo there and, you know, the two guys, whatever, and we didn't know what was going on. And even after the tumor was diagnosed, we kind of just, I don't know, it just didn't hit us. It took a while for it to like understand the consequences but our friends seemed to understand, like they understood how serious it was. So I like text, you know, my friends was like, Hey, Connor has a brain tumor. Where are you going to surgery? And they kind of just took care of us. Like my friend, Jamie drove up and like, just grabbed a bunch of stuff and grabbed all of our, you know, tech equipment and just grabbed like bags of clothes and threw it in his car, grabbed Pivo. And my girlfriends came down from Auckland and they booked all of my um, housing and like fed me and kept me like, you know, going. And then, um, well, of course, Paul, he offered us a place to stay up in Auckland. And it was like all these people were offering their help, but we weren't we weren't actually coordinating everything. Like we were still very much in a stupor and you really don't remember much of this at all. I mean, you were. You were still quite affected by all this, I think so. Yeah, I was I was hallucinating from all the steroids they gave me. Yeah, so I was completely out of it. Some um, crazy hallucinations. That well, that was that was the nuts part. Um, so yeah, we couldn't go back to the boat because the biggest thing was that um, Connor would lose his balance from the surgery, and of course, you know, boats are moving constantly, and then we just could not risk him hitting his head because they had to cut through the skull piece. Um, I mean, it was a massive piece. And if he were to knock it, it would knock it. And then it would have to like reheal again. We might have to go in for surgery. It could potentially like cut into the brain, cause more brain damage. Like there were a million reasons why. So the doctor said for at a minimum of three months, you need to be in a place where there's just not the hazard of hitting your head all the time. And that's where we went up and stayed with our friend, Paul. So how are you, Connor? Like what's the ultimate kind of not solution per se, but like, what do they tell you at the end? Like, yeah, just kept going. Yeah, well, I mean, I ended up getting a brain infection and having to go back into the hospital. And then they did another surgery and they removed the skull bone because the skull was infected. So I, I spent about five months without a skull right here. I had to wear a helmet for five months. Was... That was ridiculous. And of course, you can't hit your head in that case because you could actually see my brain, like the skin was over it, but you could see my heartbeat, my brain moving. <laughs> it was that really was creepy. so weird. And then um, you could like touch so it. It was like. After that, um, you know, we finally got a 3D printed skull piece put in. Um, so now I'm, I'm basically back to normal. And I, I was really lucky that the, uh, the tumor was in the lining around the brain and not inside the brain. Because um, it can get between the crevices of the brain and be hard to remove. So, so yeah, so that they took it off and they said that the brain is going to re-expand back into that space and you should be back to normal. You know, there's going to be some repercussion like it's a right frontal lobe and if there's damage and actually you lose your sense of empathy which is strange really um but yeah. i've always been an asshole so that doesn't really <laughs> <matter>. <laughs> no <laughs> well, danielle have you seen that has he lost his sense of empathy uh well i well my instinct was absolutely but i want to be nice <laughs> it does, yeah i know i mean there's definitely been some impact but i think it's it's been interesting. I mean, I don't want to, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but from a couple's point of view, we've definitely like had to learn how to communicate a lot better. Um, and I think in many ways as a couple, we are coming out at the end of this a lot stronger because if you have empathy, you can get away with communicating badly, <laughs> but if you don't have empathy, you really have to like learn to like especially me I think I've had to work on really expressing myself like as clearly as possible and say exactly what I'm experiencing whereas before I could be like I'm pissed whereas now I'm like hey I'm feeling like super hurt here like I'm really struggling to like talk to you or whatever it is that's happening like I have to like really get in touch with what's happening so yeah how was that you brought it up and I was we were curious about this too is like you you guys both had this dream of you know I mean, you basically quit your jobs. You took your savings that you were going to buy for a house and you bought a sailboat. You moved onto the sailboat full time. And this, you could, you were planning on doing this for two years, maybe more, depending on how much you liked it. And then it was cut so short because of, I mean, something you couldn't control at all. 
what were your feelings on that? Like both of you, once, once you got through it, cause I mean, I imagine the whole emergency part of the situation was that's all you're dealing with, but now you're on the other side of it. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you, is there a possibility you might go back to sailing? Did that even change the way you're thinking about it now? And I would imagine maybe there's some internal conflicts as well as like couple kind of conflicts. Yeah, I mean, my my sense of adventure is gone. Like, I just want a nice, safe, comfortable place where I'm not, you know, about to die from anything crazy. Um, that's that's all I want, and I certainly don't want to be on a boat or going out into crazy experiences. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think it's pretty clear on my channel that uh, I'm very, very adventurous still, and I think at least. For me, what I how, the way I view it is we came together in the past because of mutual goals that we both could get behind. And that was kind of that was our love story in a lot of ways. Like we were, you know, living in Ukraine and eastern Ukraine and we had this travel bug and then we both wanted to go get our masters. And then we both wanted to travel to Thailand and then New Zealand. And we always agreed on where we wanted to go. And we're at a point now where I mean we we both want very different things. You you want stability and comfort and I want to continue the adventure and so we're kind of having to relearn to lean on something other than mutual goals and that I think I find that to be really rewarding because you know like now we can lean on but we mutually respect each other you know we we respect each other we respect how we handled this and we you know we love each other and that we don't have to have the same goal to want to be together and stay together. And at the very least, we can lean on that respect for each other to move forward, you know? Like, I don't know what the future's gonna hold and I, you don't know what the future's gonna hold and we still want very different things, but as long as we can respect each other, that is extremely powerful, so. Did, did that take a little while to come to that understanding? We are still coming to that understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, we're this, in that process right now. <laughs> this is still pretty fresh. I mean, this just happened not even a year ago. I mean, and you just Connor, had you're still, three months ago. <laughs> yeah. And Connor, you're still healing. And like, I'm sure that I don't, I don't, what's the prognosis for like the recovery of like, do they expect that you're going to get to a point where you're fully recovered and like in the same physical state that you were before? this happened except without having the tumor there yeah it's basically full recovery um okay. there's going to be a little bit of gliosis gliosis yeah. scarring in the brain a little bit of scarring but um but i didn't know is your, your frontal lobes are much like your kidneys like if you lose one the other makes up for it okay. um, so I, I didn't lose a frontal lobe or anything but one of them does have a little bit of scar tissue so the other one can pick up the slack okay um, yeah, I feel pretty lucky that it was that area. There's so many people with the same tumor, but in inoperable locations or mm -hmm. pressing up against nerves. Or, Optic know. nerve is a big one. A lot of people lose your sight. Yeah, so I should have a full recovery. I'm actually hoping to get back to work here in the next couple of weeks. Back to work. Yeah. yeah. Are, uh, are you looking for like a, a you know, you know, the typical kind of what people call, you know, who've been living on sailboats or live on the RV or kind of created their own thing, like the back to the grind and the nine to five or does that yeah, sound back to the grind? Yeah. And how does that sound or to you and how does that make you feel? Well, I, I like the job descriptions like that I've been looking at. Um, He's excited. I like working with the financial markets. So getting back into that sounds like a lot of fun, but yeah, it's going to be an adjustment for sure. So on, when well, we last, I was going to say, when we last talked to you guys um, before, when you're getting ready to move on to the boat, I remember Connor, you were saying something along the lines of like, you were excited to explore your creative side because you're more of that spreadsheet numbers and figure thing. Do you still feel like there might be some way that you can still find that creative exploration? Uh, or <laughs> I mean, I was interested in doing that when I, you know, back in the day, but now I just, I just want to get back to some resemblance of a normal life. Like, yeah, I don't know. After that, I can think about, you know, exploring other things. But yeah, at the moment, I just want safety and security above all else. Mm -hmm. I think also part of this, I mean, it's it's interesting the questions that you're asking because it really does help us like reflect and the videos help us reflect a lot as well. But yeah. I think also like another thing we've kind of learned from this is how 
intertwined our um, state of being was. And, you know, Connor wants to go back to work. And for me, that just sounds like the worst thing. It sounds like a punishment to me, but he's excited about it. And that's awesome because I want him to be excited about something. I mean, I don't have a choice. Like someone's got to make money to pay expenses. Oh, well, <laughs> um, but yeah. Get on the YouTube channel, people. <laughs> yeah, no, YouTube channel making his money. But yeah, he kind of was like excited about going back to work and that's awesome. And it wouldn't be my thing, but like, you know, kind of being, doing different things is also okay. And that was kind of, I think, something that we're, you know, going through and learning that we were so intertwined. We spent 24, seven hours a day together. We dealt with every emergency together. Our work was everything together. And now it's very, very different. So, yeah. That's actually kind of funny because, you know, we've been in the RV now for, almost four years. And so we spend a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sure. lot of things together, but we, I, I feel like probably more recently we do make more time to be apart sometimes. And I think that, I don't, I don't know, I guess it makes that relationship even stronger in a way, because you have to find a way to be yourself and not just be codependent all the time. Cause it's very easy to fall into that, which you guys probably were because you were doing something new and exciting and dangerous and, you know, learning all the time. And, you know, that's a big thing. And I, I don't know, it's really interesting to see where you're at now. And I, and what I can say now is we're going to have to do this podcast again in like another <laughs> year, because I mean, this is a crazy story. It is a crazy story, but you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see where you're at at this point because, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of your videos and stuff. And so I, I know some of the story that some of the struggle you've been through that I'm going to leave it for other people to watch that on your channel. Cause it's really the way you guys tell your story is amazing, but uh, I don't even know where I'm kind of going with this, but like, like <laughs> thank see- you. But, but like to see you, Connor, being, I think, enthusiastic about just getting some stability and going back to work, that makes sense to me because of what you've been through. Yeah. It's like, I just want some normal for a minute. I just need, I want to breathe and not think about it for a minute. And, yeah. and that's probably your way of coping with that, the outcome of what's happened so far. And Danielle, you're probably like, you don't want to think about it either for a minute, but you put your focus somewhere else. Yeah. Well, the videos are a really great distraction and a great way of processing it. I think Connor and I were talking about this the other day about how the videos in some ways have allowed me to compartmentalize and process like everything that's been going on. Um, So it's been really nice to have that outlet. And then honestly, the community that we've built around the story is just, you said this the other day, didn't you? They're just so supportive, aren't they? Yeah, so many people have been in a similar circumstance and have really appreciated our, you know, our views and our insights on it. Because, yeah, it's way more common than you think. Um, just yeah, people don't like to talk about it, but I mean, I bet almost everybody knows somebody that has a brain tumor, whether they know it or not. It's and our patrons, crazy. they're awesome. Like we've met up with a couple of them, and they've come by and visited the boat, and they're just like, we post a video, and they just get so excited about it. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just such a nice feeling, like mm-hmm. to help people who are rallying around you. Um, and they're, yeah, just there for you. So. Well, and I think that's something that Nicole and I were talking about earlier too, is how amazed we were that you guys captured all of this. And, and I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of moments you didn't capture for film, but, but some of the things that you did capture and put on film, just the raw emotion <laughs> that you're like, how do you to have be the- able to do it in the moment when yeah. this has happened? Like, like when Connor, when you were flown, when you had to fly on the flight for life to the hospital, like you still have video footage from the helicopter. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't even think at the moment to do that. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you weren't quite fast paced, but well, you know, I, I have it, my friend Jamie, because I've kind of wondered about that like why did I keep picking up the camera and why do I still keep picking up the camera and 
he kept he said that he said I think it's your diary to the world like um it was just like my way of processing everything and I mean it was almost immediate like I I remembered to pick up the camera like all the time and I was just like constantly filming and it was like I don't know just like the way of processing everything um and we we had, Connor and I sat down and had a conversation about it after the tumor because I was filming during the tumor but I wasn't going to post anything unless Connor was okay with it. it was really important to me that like he was on board and when he finally like was you know fully able to process things I sat down with him and was like hey I was filming this I was like I don't really understand why but I'd like to keep posting this on YouTube are you okay with this and he was like yeah go for it you know and yeah, I just, I don't know how I remember to do it. I don't know why you were okay with it. Let's be honest, <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of happened. So it sounds to me like, I like the way your friend said that, um, it was just like your way of documenting. It was your diary. And so instead of writing something down later, your pen was your camera. Yeah. And the other part of it is that, um, as I, we started going through this, you know, the obvious thing to do was to start researching, like who else is experiencing this and what are, what's their experience like and what should I be expecting? And there wasn't really a lot of what I think is well-produced content on, on what people were experiencing that I wanted to watch. Like there was content, but it was like, people was kind of talking to the camera for like 10 minutes and it wasn't really watchable. Um, and so I wanted to create something that like other people would feel, you know, it would be entertaining enough that you could stick with it. Um, and it, but it would also be like raw enough that it would tell you what someone's experiencing because like, we just met so many, so many stories. Like I, I, one story that sticks out in my mind is this one woman who went skydiving with her son or was it bungee jumping? It was bungee jumping with her, um, 10 year old son, because that was what he wanted for his birthday. And she got to the bottom and she was unconscious and she'd had 12 aneurysms and her family, right? Like a crazy story. And when we got there, she had six surgeries already and she was about to go into another one. And we met her family and they were in the waiting room with us at the same time. And like the, the, what they were going through was just so crazy and they had no idea what to expect. And we were talking and I was telling about my experience to maybe like, you know, pass on something that might be helpful. And then I was like, oh my God, like, what if I could like make up some videos about this, you know, like to help other people like who are going through this and like want to have as a caregiver, have someone else understand what they're experiencing or as a brain tumor patient, have someone else understand what they're going through. Although it's definitely more biased towards my view than Connor's. So, I mean, I guess the, I'm the editor, so it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I think the videos are a window to others to kind of have an understanding of what's going on in the world of something that's really not portrayed much. Like you had said too, Connor, you're surprising how many people actually do have something like this going on or brain tumors. And you don't know that. And if, if it happens to you, it's really helpful to relate to someone who has had it happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you guys come from a unique perspective where, you know, moving on to the sailboat, you guys decided to make content creation and, your YouTube channel at Sailing Pivo, like a business. It was your business. Yeah. And it was documenting the whole story was part of your business. And yeah. so this is part of that story. And, you know, there, there probably aren't too many cases of someone being in that position where you could document it firsthand like that. So yeah. it's really a very unique perspective that, Hey, Netflix, Hulu, you guys out there, throw some money and pick this up. This should be on your, this should be on your network. Hashtag sailing Pivo. <laughs> I do actually have a dream to make a documentary about this. Um, and Connor said he's on board, but I need some better equipment to process all of this because my laptop won't cut it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to use, take the footage at one point and make a documentary about this. So I don't doubt you would. So no, you absolutely should, because your, your channel already does a pretty good job of portraying what happened and you are a fantastic editor. Oh, so thank you. <laughs> I think if, yeah, I think you could definitely turn this into a documentary that yeah. would be very interesting for very many different types of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you remember when we talked to you in November, 2020, we asked how many YouTube subscribers you would have in six months and Probably you had a, you had an instant. 10, yeah. You said a thousand. You said a thousand by May. Okay. I think we did actually. I think you probably hit that before then though. It was, I think around April, we hit a thousand. 
Yeah. Then we like blew up. Well, not blew up. I mean, we're still a smaller channel, but we blew up after this. <laughs> when we first talked, like a couple of years ago, you were talking about that and like building your business as a YouTube business. And I think you've done it brilliantly. We're getting there. We we are growing uh, by a couple of patrons per episode, which is really cool. And the goal, we are getting to a point where like, I need to, you know, I need to make money as well. And I, it does bring in money, but it doesn't, it's not like, you know, the same I was making at my last job. Mm-hmm. So the goal is by the end of the year to double the number of patrons that I have. So we have 24, we're trying to get to 50 and make it so it's covering my costs at least. And if I feel like I can get to grow by that much by the end of the year, I feel like it's maybe a sustainable thing to do. But then if I can't, then I got to go back to work, which would suck. But, you know, still lobby. Life is life. <laughs> Yes. Maybe you can get beer, a beer sponsor for something or another. Oh, we get lots of free beer. We got so much free beer over the tumor. You see a tumor and people are like, yeah, I'll give you some beer. <laughs> right. This is a, you know, this is actually a beer podcast here. So, okay, let's talk about that. Wait, how did you get the free beer? You got a tumor? I got a beer for you. Tell us more about that. I don't think <laughs> that's a good trade. <laughs> I'm not willing to go down that no. road if I don't have to. <laughs> So we had a lot of free time while, you know, Connor was healing. He was sleeping so much and there wasn't really much to do because we were in the middle of nowhere, our friend Paul's house and there's, we had no car and it's, he lives on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And so I started going to online film school um, because I was like, well, you know, I'm making these videos anyway. And I wanted to do it correctly. I wanted to do it in a way that like, it wasn't something people would just click away. It felt like too important of a story. So I started practicing my film stuff on these really silly beer videos where I'd make the beer have voices and come alive and do these skits. I've actually got one in the works right now because I stopped doing them for a while, but I'm going to start again. And they just kind of, people really liked them. And so I did one for um, Behemoth Brewing Company, which I would say is my favorite New Zealand brewery. They're, they're good, aren't they? They are. They're really good. Yeah. And I tagged them in the video that I posted and the guy reaches out and he was like, Hey, I want to send you some free beer. And so we ended up getting what? 24 beers from them. But then I made another one and they just kept sending me beer and I was like, hell yeah. So I was like, okay, well they're sending me this much beer. Maybe other brewery companies would like to do the same. So I just started making the videos, tagging the breweries in the, um, the video when I posted them. And they got like 400 views. They didn't get a lot, but in New Zealand, that's a lot. And they just kept sending us free beer. So, yeah. I mean, you're going to buy the beer anyhow. So, mm. yeah. What's that channel called? Sailing Pivo Beer? Yeah, it's, ta- it's, you can go to Sailing Pivo. And then if you scroll down to the bottom, you can see those videos. And they're, they're funny. Like, they're really entertaining. They're short, like one, two minute <laughs> videos that just like give the beer personalities. So, yeah. Sounds like you might have a side gig to um, your little side hustle from Sailing Pivo could be doing beer commercials. Yeah. Well, I'll actually pay you and money instead of beer. (laughs) Yeah. I have tons of ideas about how to like monetize this a little more and make it more profitable, but um, kind of just waiting for Connor to go back to work because I really want to enjoy this time with him while he's still not working. So I've got a ton of ideas that will be implemented as soon as Connor goes back to work and I'm like alone here. So, yeah. Connor, while you're going through all this, I mean, you couldn't drink beer. Am I correct? Well, just non-alcoholic beer, but yeah. Okay. But can can you go back to drinking now or is it a specific thing that you, yeah? Um, I mean, I'll have like maybe a beer every now and then. Like the most I've had in eight months is probably three beers. Mm -hmm. And that was too much, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I just, I don't have the same interest. I actually developed a taste for diet Coke of all things. Huh. <laughs> so now I, I chug in the diet Coke instead of beer. <laughs> but, Less calories, I suppose. I guess. Yeah. No, I just, I gotta be a little careful because um, yeah. there's already like an increased risk of certain things. So if I'm drinking beer, it just makes it worse. So. Okay. He still enjoy a crafty. Yeah. And we get crafties here, and he he had a pale ale that was really good, really good the other yeah, day. We'll split a good beer every now and then. That's yeah. good. I enjoy that. But yeah, not not like I used to have like you know five or six beers and be fine. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like one beer. I'm I'm good. <laughs> I was curious if that was a, a thing like that, or if it if it was maybe you still maybe a little hesitant to to drink too much because I mean we all know you drink a little bit you drink that third one or that fourth one, then you want the fifth and the sixth. And then it's, 
you know, yeah, exactly. an issue and you're, you already have, um, you know, some issues to deal with from the surgeries. So I'm sure at least in the short term, you could probably be affected even quicker than, than the average. Yeah, definitely. And it, you know, it was so hard on my body, all this stuff that figure I'll just go easy, but give my body a break as much as I can. So many drugs. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can bet. imagine that. Yeah, the antibiotics were the worst. That was hard, and you could see it like it manifested because he, when he got the infection, we kind of grazed over that. But he got he got, ended up de developing a deadly brain infection and had to go in operation like 24 hours after finding it. And then he was on um, intravenous uh, antibiotics that went straight to his heart. It's called a pick line. And they would deliver um, antibiotics to our house. And then I had to change his antibiotics every single day for a month. And those were so hard on his body. Like you could just see his skin didn't like it. Everything was breaking out. Yeah, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a month. He had to sleep yeah. with them. And like, we had like, we should have probably made this more emphasized in our videos, but he had to like put them next to his pillow all the time. And like, it was just so awkward. It was like a string that uh, was, awful it was awful yeah and that's that's really bad on your liver so you know go easy on the little guy for a little while <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't need to double down on the liver no, <laughs> no. okay so from full-time possibly wanting like kind of thinking about buying a home to deciding to buying a sailboat to now you've sold your sailboat no not yet but she's sure. yeah it takes a long time it's a pretty niche market you know people yeah. wanting to sail around the world mm. but <laughs> But she is up for sale. Yep. Yeah. And, okay. So then are you now looking to buy a house? Is it going to be like kind of what you're thinking before? Are you going to keep your downsized minimalistic kind of lifestyle or how, how is that kind of? Well, Auckland is, the pricing is such that we'll have a minimalistic lifestyle whether we want to or not. <laughs> so. The average house sold for like 1.2 million this year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And like our friends just bought a house like up in, I don't know, about an hour outside the city. And like, it's like this tiny little two bedroom flat for like 800,000. I was like, oh my God, that sounds awful. But yeah, I think we, we do both agree, kind of agree on this. Like if, I mean, I think the sailboat sailing again is out of your mind right now, right? Like in his mind, it's not possible at all. Um, but regardless of whether it is possible or not, I think we both agree that like, it's time to slow down just for a little while and start building up our equity and our resources again. And just kind of like my, for me, it's skill. Like I, I want to keep sailing, obviously. I don't know if it would be full time again, but like we just looking back, realize how much pressure we put on ourselves by just jumping in so fast. Like it's doable for sure, but it definitely took away from the experience and you know people said that and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people being like told you so we still have no regrets guys <laughs> we're <laughs> glad we did it <laughs> but if we're gonna do it again which i mean who knows if that's possible honestly i have no idea what the future holds and we would definitely like slow the hell down and really enjoy every single part of it so yeah i mean that was one of the first things that people told us that we heard a lot about in the rv is like go slow so when you first get into the RV, like take your time, get to know the places. Um, did we listen? No. Because <laughs> uh, you're so excited. Yes. <laughs> did we regret it? No. No. And yeah. now we're slowing down and that's fine. But there's, I just, I don't, I don't know when you're so excited about something, how do you like go at it slowly? Like you're yeah. going, there's passion and you're excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you said the other day, right? Like we, we would change it now how we did it, but like if you if something were to happen and you could look back and say we went sailing for six months like hell yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah i mean i almost died twice and looking back like if i would have died i would have been freaking happy that i did that little sailing trip before i did i mean yeah otherwise what's six more months sitting at a desk you know that wouldn't have been right <laughs> that would have been worth it so i'm gonna read a quote you guys uh said <laughs> from the first time we interviewed you guys a while ago it says, so what if the big storms, however you want to take the storms, is up to you. <laughs> what if the big storms scare the crap out of us and we just want to go home? What if we just don't enjoy sailing? We're trying not to get too attached to it working out because it would be really disappointing if it didn't. We're really just trying to enjoy it while we enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. that's still definitely <laughs> our philosophy. <laughs> yeah. 
So whatever storms hit you, you know, you're still enjoying it and do your best to protect the fun because that was your mantra today. Yeah. And I, I think it's even more now, like this, this house that we're living in, for example, like I was super disappointed when we found this property and, and it doesn't have a bath and I just love taking baths and it doesn't really have a kitchen. It's got like plug in plates, but I told Connor, I was like, I'm going to try to enjoy it here because like, you know, I might as well they're just wallowing in a corner and it's grown on us. Like we really like this place now. Yeah, I mean, it's a mile from the beach. Yeah. And like, so we're really trying to like, okay, this is definitely not what I want at all. And in a lot of ways, I think that you don't like the fact that I don't like it, but I think we're really trying to like make the most of like, you know, where we're at right now. So unless I think so, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, as we get, you know, back to work and stuff, well, we can move or hopefully buy a house. Well, I think it's just, this is the new adventure, right? Right now. This is the new adventure. It's just a different shape than we all imagined a year and a half ago when we yeah, last I did not see this coming. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the big thing is you guys didn't wait for that pain point to push you into it. Because if you did, it wouldn't have pushed you to the sailing. You guys did it when you wanted to do it. Like you wanted to sail. Yeah. And so you made it happen. And so many people wait for that pain point to push them over the edge where they realize, oh my God, my life is over then they don't have that chance to do it. And you guys did it before it happened. And so that's like the great thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. Especially when like I had this guy message me the other day on um, YouTube and he was like, I'm really glad that you guys are pushing that message of like, go now. There's a really famous sailing quote, go small, go now. Is that what it is? Yeah. By mm-hmm. Lynn Party. But he, he was pointing out, it was like, you know, like for me, it's like, it's not an option of like, I don't want to, take that pain point. It's not that I don't want to go, like I can't. And he, you know, described this pretty awful situation where like, it's just out of his hands. He couldn't pursue it at all. So I think that that for us is like, yeah, go now because that might happen, you know, because you don't know if that's going to happen. And like, obviously for us right now, like I, you know, can't sail the same way anymore. And so like, I'm just glad that we didn't wait for that kind of situation to manifest itself um, where it was no longer an option. Well, this wasn't the ending to the story that we were, well, it's not an ending at all. Like, but this wasn't like, <laughs> wasn't like you the had update said, we expected. wasn't the update we were yeah, thinking of when we were going to talk to you later, but I'm super happy that we actually get to sit down and talk to you guys because the other alternative would be like awful. So <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, so, well, before we let you go though, I mean, I want to say you're going to keep sailing Pivo going, right? I will tell you now there's more sailing adventures coming. So I'm going to continue sailing and having some fun um, and giving this channel a try for the next six months or so and seeing if I can get it, keep it going Um, because I freaking love sailing still. (laughs) It's my happy place. And you really like your alone time. So it kind of works out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I think that's one of of the things we're relearning is what we like. And Connor definitely likes his alone time, which he did not get when I was around. (laughs) (laughs) It lives together on a tiny boat. It's hard to have some space. That's for sure. That that is true. Yes. All right. So how can people find you? YouTube, Sailing Pivo, or... Instagram, Sailing Pivo, Facebook, Sailing Pivo. Yeah, it's P-I-V-O. Yeah, it's Russian for the word beer. And how do they become a Patreon? Uh, patreon.com forward slash sailing people. Well, we hope we can get you some more subscribers and, you know, people fan and get some more fans for you. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, we may have to talk, talk again on the podcast to see what you're doing. Oh yeah. Sounds good. Nice to see you guys again. Nice to see you guys too. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so Danielle and Connor have no idea what their future holds, but who the hell does? Like it. None you of don't us really know. You don't know. So all you can do is plan for what you can plan for. And then, you know, kind of, I mean, you're going to have to go with the flow, go with the waves, however you put it when you're on a sailboat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I said, I think I said it earlier on the podcast too. We're going to have to talk with them again to see like how it's going uh, and what they've yeah. decided. And because like you said earlier in the beginning, this is just the beginning of their new adventure and you also said it too adventure is kind of how you define it and i'm just gonna keep going because i feel like i'm on a roll so connor may not be ready for you know in air quotes here what we consider adventures right now but i don't know that could change and well that's understandable right now i mean yeah so but he's 
been through multiple surgeries. Hopefully he doesn't have to go in for more surgeries, but you know, his brain is still healing. It's, it's going to take time. And they, you know, are both still healing from this because they, they had a, this big dream and this big adventure and they went on that adventure awesomely. So, but it got changed. So now they're figuring a new path. That's the word changed. And so you have to, everything can change in a heartbeat. So, and they're just trying to figure out how to go with that change. So new adventures, whatever they define those adventures to be. Yeah. I mean, you hear it all the time. People talk about how something happens and the world stopped and changed on a dime. You know, it's like. You think? (laughs) What have we been going through? Oh, geez. (laughs) Let's do not go down that road, please. It's unprecedented. We do not want to go down that road. (laughs) Unprecedented. Why do you have to bring that up? I don't know. Because I really do think we should strike that word from our lexicon. Then stop using it. (laughs) I probably should. I'm part of the problem. Yes. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Anyhow, I think it's worth repeating it again. We talked about not waiting for your pain point. Yeah. These two did not, thankfully. And so they got to live a portion of what they were planning on. And they still have this, like, who knows what is out there. Excitement to figure out. So that's the thing. It's worth repeating. Do not wait for that full on pain point to get you to do what you want to do. Figure out how you want to do it. Do it. Yeah. I mean, things changed in the middle of it for them, but so what they're going to, they're going to, I mean, they're working through it and they'll figure out what's next, whatever that is. So I'm going to give you guys, yes, you guys, the listeners an assignment. Uh You have to do one thing to move towards whatever it is you want to do. You've heard that from probably everybody who's like life coaches and stuff. Just pick one tiny little thing every day and start moving towards it. And that's how you do it. Yeah. Baby steps. Go forward. Create your own adventures. Cool. Cool. Oh, speaking of create your own adventures, you should all sign up for Camp Carpe Diem. It's the coolest adult camp ever. And you can get all the information, ticket prices. Oh, actually, speaking of that, ticket prices are going up in a couple weeks. So you want to get the best price you can. Um, But you go to C-A-M-P. C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M dot com. And I'll tell you all about it. It's Brevard, North Carolina this October fall. October 20th through the 23rd. 20th through the 23rd of October. You know where to be. The land of mountain biking, hiking, and beer. Got it. On that note, <laughs> um, you know, subscribe, buy us a beer, tell your friends, and we out. We out. Do it now. Cheers, friends. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.